0: After the service last Sunday, I was met at the door with an open Bible. An unnamed, observant student of the Word wanted to know if Matthew, in my Bible, ended at verse 17, because hers went on to include 18, 19, and 20. Well, I assured her that mine did too. I had merely stopped at 17 and we would get into 18 through 20 this week. But thinking about her question, the thought hit me that there are no doubt many who do wish Matthew had concluded his gospel with verse 17. Because the most difficult greatest assignment ever given to the church is found in verses 18 through 20. In fact, we call it the Great Commission. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus was here speaking to the remaining eleven disciples, but all twelve had actually been commissioned as apostles and sent forth some two years earlier. At that time, Jesus sent them out to preach that the kingdom of God was at hand. And he sent them out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. They weren't to go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans. It was a limited commission, limited in scope, and limited In duration. But now, from a mountain in Galilee, after the resurrection, and a week or two before the ascension from an undisclosed location near Bethany, he commissions them to disciple all the nations. And it's a commission that is to remain in effect until the end of the age. That is indeed a great commission, a commission that the 11 apostles faithfully labored to fulfill, but a commission that by design goes far beyond them and far beyond the first century. This isn't just the great commission. This is our great commission Jesus wasn't just speaking to the eleven. He was speaking to all believers of all ages. In order for the gospel message to survive, let alone impact all the nations until he returns, we must go, we must disciple, we must baptize, and we must teach. This is our great Commission. Let's take it personally. We must go. We must go. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. We've been commissioned by the supreme commander of heaven and earth to go. Now, it's true that the Greek construction makes it clear that the primary command in the commission is disciple or make disciples. And we're going to look at that in a moment. That in order to make disciples, we must go, we must baptize, we must teach. So even though the tense of the verb for go isn't in the imperative, it isn't a command per se, it's still a command. We must go if we are to do what we've been commissioned to do. The last words Jesus actually said to the apostles before ascending into heaven were, You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. They couldn't do that by staying. They had to go. And so do we. Now, that doesn't mean we must all leave Chatham. If we did, who would make disciples in Chatham? But it does mean we must be involved in taking the gospel elsewhere. We cannot keep it to ourselves. We've got to think globally as a church. We must be involved in missions. We must support those who actually do go to the remotest parts of the earth. As I hope you're aware, as a church, we do support missions. In fact, nearly 25% of our income, what you give to us, is given to others. We are the primary supporter of Theo and Rose Miller in Jamaica. I just talked to Rose this week. They're doing amazing work. Theo is overseeing four churches he just got asked to, uh, to be the chairman of the school board, and he's not sure he can handle that and everything else. Had uh, a couple of baptisms, three baptisms scheduled. One, a 15-year-old boy that has been playing drums in their church. And another was uh, a woman who wanted to become a Christian and commit herself to the church, but was in a common law relationship, as they refer to it in uh, Jamaica. And in order to become a member of the church, they have to be living in obedience to Christ. And last month, she was married, and she's being baptized now. Very exciting work that they're doing. And we are their primary supporter. We've been doing so for a number of years. We've also provided substantial support for Jesse Youngme's work in Thailand and Southeast Asia for over 40 years. Amazing, amazing Man of God. He's having some struggles right now, physical struggles. Uh, he came down with Da Nang fever, Da fever fever, whatever it is, and he was in ICU. Um, he was in the hospital. He's recovering now. But he is intent on continuing his work, and we help make that possible. After many years of supporting Victor Banda in Mexico, the church in Aguahita will be self-supporting at the end of the year. They'll no longer need our support because the church has grown to the place where it can support itself. And so now we are sending Mexican support through Andrew Sexton, who's building homes for Mexican families, drawing them to a relationship with Christ through some very obvious gifts, making possible a life that that they didn't know. Very important work. Many in our body are... Involved in adopting students in in Haiti through Haitian Christian Mission, and uh, as a body, we are also sending monthly support. A very, a very important work, a very amazing work being done in in Haiti. Uh, thousands are being impacted by the mission there. We're currently helping Brian and Megan Green prepare to serve as Bible translators, and Keith and Jenny Walkman to serve in missionary aviation. We've had the privilege of supporting Timothy's in uh, foreign missions and church planting efforts here in the States, and we currently support several ministries that are involved in, in outreach and benevolence closer to home. Not only do we support those who go, we've actually gone ourselves on uh, short-term mission trips. Uh, years ago, we took a team to Mexico. That was our first exposure to that. Uh, we've taken a team, a couple of teams from our church, families and, and kids, down to Jamaica. And we're now considering possible trips to either Haiti or Mexico or Jamaica for our youth and perhaps even families in the not-too-distant future. And you know, actually going to another culture with a sense of of mission is obviously a way to be obedient to the command to go but whether we go personally just make it possible for others to go if we are obedient to our great commission we must go somehow and we must disciple the reason for going is to disciple The nations. In the original language, it doesn't say to make disciples of all the nations or make disciples in all the nations. It says, disciple all the nations. It's a verb. And it is in the imperative tense. It is a command. We are commanded to disciple the nations. Now, we generally think of the word disciple is a noun. As such, it refers to someone who has become a follower of someone else or of a particular ideology. We are disciples of Jesus if we follow after him, learn from him, and seek to be like him. And as his disciples, we've been commissioned to disciple the nations, to bring all the nations into allegiance to Christ. Now, at this point in the commission, I don't think Jesus is thinking of individuals. He's talking of nations, of cultures, of ethnic groups. He's saying that all of the people of the earth are to be discipled. Christianity isn't just for Western civilization. It's for the world. There shouldn't be Muslim nations and Hindu nations and Buddhist nations and atheistic communist nations. Not after 2,000 years, all nations should by now be Christian nations. Now I realize that kind of thinking is almost unheard of. Today, we've been taught to believe that we should respect and preserve religious diversity in a global community. But Jesus didn't say that. And Muslims obviously don't believe it. Jesus told us to go and disciple the nations to make all the nations into Christians. Nations. He didn't say be tolerant, preserve religious diversity. He said disciple all the nations. Somehow we've lost sight of that goal. We have forgotten the primary command of the Great Commission. We have been commissioned to disciple the nations. Now, we don't do that by military conquest, as both Muslims and, sad to say, some Christians have done in the past. We do it by bringing individuals into the body of Christ. By baptizing them into Christ. If the majority in a nation become Christians, you have what? A Christian nation. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, (coughs) baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we must baptize. Now, this is another aspect of the Great Commission many Christians seem to have forgotten Not only are we afraid to offend Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists, we're afraid to offend other Christians who might not agree with us on baptism. And it is true. Today, there's a lot of confusion in Christendom with regard to baptism. There was no confusion, however, in the first century. Christian baptism was the immersion of a penitent believer in water for the forgiveness of sins. It symbolized the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and expressed a person's desire to die to the old self and to rise to walk in newness of life. That is still true today. The scriptures haven't changed. And we must not be afraid to risk offending someone by pointing out that the Scriptures know nothing of infant baptism or sprinkling or even immersion to join a church. We disciple the nations by bringing individuals from all nations into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And we do that by baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, that isn't some baptismal formula. That's not words that must be spoken when someone is baptized in order for it to count. There's debate about what words should be used. In Acts 2.38, Peter said, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. And the conversion accounts in Acts that mention being baptized in a name, say, in the name of Jesus Christ or in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's not the words that are important, even though we generally do say you're being baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there are some who would say our baptism is invalid. There's a whole group that says if you're not baptized in the name of Jesus, you're your baptism doesn't work. That's, that's not true. The words aren't important. It's the fact that we are baptizing into Christ, and we recognize that when we do so, we are actually bringing someone into union with the Trinity, the totality of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not baptizing into a church or in the name of a church. We are baptizing into Christ. And we do that to make disciples. But a disciple is much more than a baptized individual. A disciple, as we've already seen, is someone who follows after Christ, who learns from Christ, and who seeks to be like Christ that's to happen since he is no longer here in the flesh to do it we must teach teaching them to observe all all that i commanded you now that's a tall order we must teach the nations everything christ commanded us now that doesn't mean we only teach what's written With red letters in some New Testaments. The risen and ascended Christ spoke through his apostles and other godly men in the writings of the New Testament. So we must teach everything we find in the New Testament. And in order to understand the New Testament, we must at least be very familiar with the Old Testament. So we teach all of God's word. Now, obviously, that includes the fundamentals that have to be taught Before someone can be baptized into Christ. So part of our commission is the teaching of the gospel message. We must teach men everywhere who God is, what sin is, and what has been done to make forgiveness possible. And then if they respond to the good news, to the gospel, we teach them to observe all that Christ has commanded us. Teach all he's commanded us. Now, notice, we don't just teach them Bible facts. Our goal isn't to make experts in Bible trivia. It's to make disciples. And a disciple is someone who is seeking to become like Jesus. So we teach them to observe, to obey, to practice what we find in God's Word. We teach them through word and example to observe all that Christ has commanded us. Now, that doesn't mean we try to westernize or Americanize the world. There is indeed room for cultural diversity in a global community. But it does mean that we are striving to bring all people of every nation under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is our objective. That's what we have been commissioned to do. And when I say we, I really do mean we. I mean all of us. Obviously, our great commission is bigger than any one of us. It was bigger than the 11 apostles. It's bigger than all the preachers and missionaries and full-time Christian workers, whatever that is, who have ever lived. But it's not bigger than the Christ-indwelt church. Not if every part of the body is doing his or her part. Not if everyone is involved in going and baptizing. And teaching in order to disciple the nations. That means we must all be involved in personal evangelism. A phrase we don't use very often. Personal evangelism. It means what you do personally to evangelize. We must all be involved in personal evangelism of one kind or another. If we are to fulfill our commission. And to help you find an evangelistic style that best suits your personality and your spiritual gifts. Mark and I will be sharing six different approaches to personal evangelism over the next two weeks. We're going to try to hammer this home. So we can learn how to do what we've been commissioned to do. So you can become involved In personal evangelism. While striving to disciple the nations, we must not forget to disciple those in our community and in our own home. All of us have the responsibility of discipling our children and grandchildren. And some of us will have to become Sunday school teachers and youth sponsors and Bible study leaders in order to fulfill our worldwide commission. We all have to be involved in sharing the gospel message with others. Directly by teaching them ourselves, by getting them where they can be taught by others, or by getting others where they are. And we must all, therefore, take an active interest in missions, the going part. Of our commission. We should encourage our children to go if God is calling them into mission work. We should be willing to go on mission trips ourselves if we have the opportunity to evangelize or encourage believers in other cultures. And we must financially support those missionaries who are willing to go where no churches exist or to serve where churches are unable. To support themselves. We have a big job to do. We have a great commission to fulfill. We also have a great Savior and Lord. Who hasn't left us to do it on our own. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. The one who has all authority in heaven and on earth is here with us, empowering us, enabling us to fulfill the commission he has given us. So we can do it. If we stay focused. If we work together. If we are willing to go where he wants us to go, do what he wants us to do and be what he wants us to be, I pray we're willing to do that.